right, church. I need you to know it's been a great week. We had a great uh, Welcome to Relentless um, on Monday night. Um, so just if you're new with us, like Raf said, we'd love for you to fill out a Connect card, and then eventually we'll invite you to a Welcome to Relentless. So it was just a super encouraging night of new folks that, uh, that God is sending us. Let me start with this question. Have you ever been all in on anything in your life? Uh, like some, you know, there's a lot of us are sports fans in this church. If you're not, you're probably living a better life. Um, but there's fans, there's fans, and then there's like all-in fans. We have a few fans that these football games today are going to affect the trajectory of their week. Um, and it is, have you ever been all-in on a, on a hobby or a sport or a, just a, a journey of like I'm all-in on something? Um, I work with athletes, as I've told you, I'm, I coach high school girls. Uh, we, had a, we had a big week, and, and three of my starters – are here in the room in the 11 a.m. Now, I say three of my starters, but we made a rule a few weeks ago that if you don't get a rebound in an entire game, you can't start the next game. So three of my occasional starters are in, are in this room. And it's, my, it's not a Christian team, but a lot of my girls do follow Jesus. And I want them to be all in on the game, right? Uh, we, we talk about all those things, and I told them, yesterday. All I want is all you have. I want you to be all in on the game. I'm not really wanting them to think about Jesus while they're playing basketball. I mean, it's not a bad thing to think about Jesus ever, but I want them to focus on the task at hand. And it's a balance between knowing that it's a game and life is not about the game, but there is a way to represent Jesus when you play a sport or do a job. And the way to do that is to be all in. When we're excellent at things in life, it brings glory to Jesus. So there's a balance there of being all in. And I wanted us just as we do in this best year ever series of the church, I want you to think about with me what it would look like for this to be the best year ever for our church and what it would look like for you to be, what does it look like to be all in on Jesus? And that's probably not the way we would say that because it's not really all in on Jesus as much as it's all in with Jesus. Right, we're, Jesus is the center of our church. We just sang that. So what, is that, what does that mean to put him at the center of your life? What does it mean to have him the center of everything we're doing? And then a, another question on top of what does it look like to be all in with Jesus? What does it look like to be all in with church? And is that a different question? Can you be all in with Jesus and not all in with church? Can you be all in with church and not all in with Jesus? It's, it's tricky. It's a little bit. Uh, complicated, but we're going to break it down. In fact, there was so much on this um, that I feel like we really need to understand what we're talking about, that we, we extended it a week. So we're going to talk about some specifics of this uh, best year ever as a church and what that looks like for, for you and for us. Um, so there's part of it that just wouldn't fit into one um, Sunday. So I get that it's a complicated question. We learned this in the pandemic, right? I think what happened to a lot of folks, a lot of places, was church, the word church was a place. It was a, something you went to. Like we've even said it this morning, um, I'm going to church, right? And that's really, I'm not going to be the grammar police. You can say that. We're glad you're here, but you can't really technically go to church. Church is not a place. It's not a building. You can go to a worship service, uh, but church by definition is a body, is a group of people, a body of Christ, and it's functioning, and there's 
it's taking care of each other. We'll talk about what a church is, specifically what Relentless Church is. But we get the wording, the wording messes us up from the get-go if you think you're going to something. Because a lot of people grew up with, they go to church. That's what you do on Sunday mornings. There used to be, believe it or not, young people, there used to be a time when Sunday mornings was no sports anywhere ever. Right? They don't even think about doing sports on Sunday morning because it was culturally set aside for churchgoers. That day is long gone. Right? But, but church isn't something that you go to. So what happened in the pandemic was people could not attend church. It was impossible. We weren't here. A lot of people, it was online only. Right? And I think, I think some folks started to realize, man, I don't, I don't mind waking up, putting my robe on, put, warming the coffee, and watching church. In fact, I kind of prefer it. And then some other people thought, you know, I'm watching church later in the week, and Sunday morning is now mine to do what I want, to do whatever I feel like doing, and that's kind of better. And you know what's crazy to me as a pastor? Some people realize, for the, some older folks, for the first time in their life, realize, oh, I don't have to go to church. Go to church. It's like, did we, did, did we force people? Were we, were we coercing people to have to be here? That was never what, but they realized, oh, it's optional. Yes, it is optional. And they realized, oh, if it's an option, then I'm not going back. And that's, that's okay. I get it because here's the difference between all in on Jesus and all in on church. Jesus will always come through. Maybe not the way or the time you want. He will always come through. The church is made up of people. The people in this room, the people that lead this church, I cannot promise you that they will always come through. We'll try, but we are flawed people, right? The old, uh, the old corny line is, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go because you'll mess it up, right? Because you'll be the one not perfect person. We wear our imperfection on our sleeves here because it's part of the gospel. Like nobody's can figure it out. So because the church by definition is a group of people, a body, right? We're going to bring our mess into that body, which means the church isn't always going to come through as it should. It's going to be in process like each of us are. So so we're a church built on the gospel which is full of grace and mercy and freedom and all these beautiful things. And I want to encourage you because some of you you're so full of grace. If somebody came up to you and I hope you're talking to people in lobby and all the stuff and meeting people as you can. If somebody came up to you and said I'm really struggling with this fill in the blank addiction or whatever. A lot of you would be so, oh that's why Jesus came. You don't you're not you're not defined by your sin. There is hope for you. You can be free from that. You'd be so full of grace for that person. But when it comes to a church, there's no grace. Some of us, man, when a church messes up, it is, I'm not talking about relentless church, I'm talking about church in general. Church is made up of people, and people can be flawed. So we have to give grace. Now, that's different than saying you got to stick with a church that you shouldn't stick with. All right? You guys don't know this. There's all kinds of rules in society to be a church, right? We have a little tiny cute sign out there that says relentless church. We had to do nothing. You, a group of you could go set up a meeting, and you guys could worship cheese, and you could put church on the name. There's no rules. Anybody can call them a church. So if you're investigating us today, we welcome that. If you're new with us, we're so glad that you're here. Because you need to do the work to figure out, is this church representative of Jesus? We are the body of Christ. And just because you call yourself a church doesn't mean you represent Jesus. There are times and seasons where God will tell you, that is not where you need to be for multiple reasons. And that's okay. We don't want to feel 
guilt about that. We just want to we want to know what we're about as a church. So if you are new, this is a great couple weeks for you to be here with us. Um, and I want us to, to look at the church through the eyes of Jesus. Right? If you look at it through his eyes, this is his body. Right? I don't know how you feel about your body, but it's pretty important to your life. Right? If, if you only had, he's the head of the church. It ain't me. If, if you only had your head disconnected from your body, that's called decapitation. That's not good, right? So Jesus, Jesus cares about the body of Christ. He has called his shot 2,000 years ago that the work of Jesus will be done through his body, a.k.a. through his church. So he loves his church, and he's patient with his church, and he's building his church. How does he build his church? By building people. That's you. You are the church. If you're new with us, then, then we're inviting you to investigate if you want to be a part of what God is building specifically here. Jesus is all in on his church, even if I'm not. If I want to say I'm all in on Jesus, but his church kind of scares me. I get that because I'm in an industry, if you want to call it that. You don't have to look far. You don't have to Google much to see men who call themselves pastors and churches that call themselves churches, and it is so off the center uh, centrality of Jesus. It is about some other things that are wicked and evil. It's not hard to find, right? So I, I, I get the, um, the caution. I think the caution is smart, but I do want us to look at Jesus' words um, and what he called us to be, right? So the, let me set the scene for this uh, scripture we're going to look at in Matthew 28. The scene is Jesus showed up on earth, God in a body, in flesh, and he told, uh, he called his disciples, which is where we get the word from that we'll look at here in a second, and he, and he said who he was, and they weren't sure at first, and then they were. And they saw him heal people that couldn't be healed. They saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. They witnessed these things, and they were all in on Jesus. He is the Son of God. And then Jesus told them, guys, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me for what I'm preaching and teaching. They're gonna, and they couldn't even hear that. No, we know, we believe you're God. They can't kill God. They're man. You're not. They can't. They can't. And he said, no, they're going to. And they couldn't even hear it. And they disagreed. Like, can't happen. Then he got arrested, and they were waiting. Oh, he's going to show them who's boss any second. And when they saw that he, was, he seemingly was out of control, even though he's in complete control of the situation, so it separates Jesus from everybody and everything else. He willingly died and gave his life. Then he rose from the dead, and he shows up to, these, to different people and to these disciples, and he, says, I, he tells the women, tell them to meet me at the mountain. All right? So, so look at these are the people that Jesus invested in to begin what we're continuing today. They were handpicked, and there was a lot of pressure on them to start the church through the Holy Spirit once Jesus went to heaven. So it says in Matthew 28, verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But what? Some doubted. These are the guys that saw it all. How can you doubt? He's right there in front of you. There's nothing to doubt. There's no faith necessary. Jesus raised from the dead and something in them because everybody, 100% of people they knew that had died, stayed dead. So they just couldn't believe their eyes. They're worshiping him. We just worshiped. And we're going to do a series after Easter about our doubts and how God welcomes them. Well, the disciples had doubts. They're looking at a risen Jesus worshiping him. And in that worship, there was doubts. Those are the people that built the church that you're continuing today. So if you got doubts, you are welcome here. And then Jesus, once he gathered them there, he, he makes this amazing mission statement, you might call it, 2819. He says, therefore, 
go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, don't call me surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. The people have labeled this the Great Commission, but it's, that's nowhere in Scripture. It is a mission statement. He's sending them out. And this is where we get off because it's a go. It starts with you've got to go. And some of us were taught that the big mission of Christians, what do you do? You go to church. That's what Christians do, and that's the mission. I go to church. So people say, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And some people answer, I go to church. That did not answer my question, right? Church, going and attending a worship service is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We're glad you're here. Don't hear anything different. But that is not the mission for us to go attend something. It is to go and do something specifically to make, create disciples. Disciples are all in followers of Jesus. That's what we're about. We're about making, helping create followers of Jesus. And, and there's so many references. As a multi-ethnic church, um, I was talking uh, with, a, with a man uh, recently. He said, I, I'm trying to find that in Scripture. I was like, it's all through. There's so many references and clues of what God wanted his church to be. And it's right here in this verse. He says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go. You're going to make disciples. You're going to make them of all nations. Right? At this time, there was no Christianity. It wasn't a global movement. Right? So there was very long odds in Vegas that this would ever happen. But he said, no, it's going to be, it's not going to be a Jewish thing. And all these disciples, they got together. So they, did you hear what he said? He said, yeah, we're going to make disciples. Did you hear the other part? What other part? The all, of all nations part. Oh, yeah. Somebody better go. They all stayed in Jerusalem. All of the 11 disciples, they all, we're not going anywhere. We, we're Jewish, and this is, this is our home. And God had to go to great lengths to force them to go to all nations, which was always the plan and is still the plan today. And then once, once disciples, once somebody makes a, a commitment, I want to follow this Jesus. I have faith that there is a Jesus, and I want to follow him with my life. Then what do we do? We baptize them. Uh, we, we have baptism Sundays. We got one coming up. We don't own a baptistry as a church. We rent one from other churches. So we have to work out the logistics of that. So when I point up here, it's because that's where the baptismal usually is. So when we baptize people, we say exactly this. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dunk. Right? Why do we say that? Because that's what Jesus told us our mission was. We're going. We're not going to church. We're going to the world. We're creating disciples. We're baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we're teaching them to obey Everything that he's commanded, and he promises to be with us no matter what. Um, now, that teaching part, it can be like obedience is a bad word for some of us, but it's a beautiful word, right? It's a lifestyle. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, you know, there was no Christianity. That word Christianity, it didn't exist for centuries. What Christians were originally referred to as was called the way, right? Now, the Mandalorian has stolen that, and they don't tell you they stole it from the Bible, but... It, the, originally, Christians, the, it was a way of life referred to as the way, and that's what people knew it as in the first century was the way. And that's, that's the lifestyle. We've got to teach people how to live this life that God has called us to. That's what we're about as a church. Now, let me, let me tell you a little uh, insider argument among pastors. They've taken this verse, and they've messed it up, and they've made an argument over two words that are churchy words, but discipleship evangelism discipleship is 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 spiritual growth focused evangelism is witnessing or converting people to the faith all right and they said you got to pick so people argue are you a discipleship church or are you an evangelism church 
And Jesus is like, how, like, what are y'all doing? It's, you go to such great lengths to create arguments. Are you, a, are you predestined? Are you free will? And this, it's all in there. There's all these camps. Are you this or that? And all these theological arguments. And nowhere are we called to pick one. We're not one or the other. We are both. Because he said, you got to go make disciples. That means new people. If you're only about discipleship, who are you going to disciple? If you're only discipling Christians, that's not what he said. You gotta, you're making new converts. Right, so let me give you the extremes of these two positions. I don't want to spend too much time here because most of you don't care. But I, I care because it drives me nuts, right, that, we, that, that people think we got to be one or the other. Here's the extremes of the positions, all right? Travis, I'm going to pick on you, all right? Could, could you, I, I want somebody to become a Christian for the first time, put your faith in Jesus, first time decision. Travis, could you scratch your eyebrow? Oh, hand went up. We got one. We got one. Right? When we do invitations, sometimes raise your hand. Be careful because if you're in the wrong church and you touch your nose, hey, that's what we got one. And then, and then we're going to pray the prayer. In Jesus' name, would you say amen, Travis? He, he prayed the prayer. He raised his hand. He prayed the prayer. He's a new convert. He's in. We're going to blast it all over Facebook. We got a new, brand new Christian. We're going to baptize him. Now you're in the kingdom. Your life in eternity has ever changed because you scratched your eyebrow at the wrong time and you prayed a prayer. We coerced, coerced you to pray. And we're celebrating because we got another one. And if you need anything, you let us know. Okay? Good luck out there. That's one extreme of, hey, we just, we're all about evangelism, right? That's, that's what we do. And God will figure the rest out. The other extreme is we don't want new people. We look at them funny. Have you ever been to a church where you know you're the new person? Because they're like, it's like a, it's like a, I'm getting together with my college friends. We got together uh, a couple years ago in person. We get together again this summer. We're looking forward to it. And it's going to be just us. There's four of us. Right now, somebody just randomly shows up to that. Like, man, we're so looking forward to forward. Like, who are you? Like, you're, like, you're going to mess up our whole thing. Some insider-driven churches, like, that's how they look at you because we got a thing. We like what we got, and you're probably going to mess that up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to study Jonah on Monday night. We're going to study the book of Job on Tuesday night. We're going to study Jeremiah on Wednesday night. It's all J words. I don't know why. And it's just study, 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 knowledge, 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 knowledge. We're, we're making disciples. We're spiritual growing. Here's the problem. If you get a group of people, let's say 10 of you want to just go off and start your own thing. Go for it. <laughs> if you want to do that and you're just like, we're just going to chase Jesus. That's all we're going to do. There is zero percentage chance that a group of people can go chase Jesus. We're just going to chase Jesus and not have a heart for lost people. As you chase Jesus, discipleship by definition is becoming more like Jesus. Jesus was all about the people that don't know, the untold, unconvinced. His heart was burdened for people in your life that have no idea of the goodness and the realness of Jesus. So if you want to go and just study the Bible the rest of your life and get close to Jesus, I can guarantee you that's always going to lead to you having a heart for people that are broken and lost and far from God. So that's our heart. And we, also, we have a heart to help people grow spiritually, and we have a heart to reach people that don't know Jesus. Those things work together. They're not in opposition. So stop it with that, whoever's listening to this in the World Wide Web. Um, and we're not, we're not attracting customers. We've got some business owners in the front row, right? Sometimes business stuff you'll talk about. Do we need to attract new customers or we need to keep the customers we got happy, right? And that can work its way into the church. Guess what? We don't have any customers. That's not what this is, right? This is not a business. You're not a customer. I know it's a consumer culture, and that's seeped into the church in ways, but we're not looking for um, consumers. We're not looking for customers. We're a little bit like Planet Fitness, Y'all know about, raise your hand if you're a proud member, you play the monthly 
Planet Fitness is struggling in second service. Okay, okay, it's just you guys were, it was, it was, I don't want to be the one raising my hand. It's Planet Fitness, it's not a cult, it's not like that CrossFit stuff, right? So you don't have to be, you don't have to be ashamed of it. Oh, that's going to offend some people. Um, Planet Fitness, I think they're brilliant. Um, I, I live up for one a few minutes, and in Fuquay, there's a place called Bulls and Bears. You ever seen that gym? That's a gym gym. Bulls and Bears, like there's monsters in there. My kids make fun of me because I'll, I'll go get dominoes, and this is how I exercise. As I'm getting dominoes, I watch people walk in and out of Bulls and Bears. These dudes, like there's no skinny dudes in Bulls and Bears. These dudes are, like they got to kind of turn this way to go through the door, right? Those dudes would never be caught dead in Planet Fitness. That's, they would say that's not a real gym. And why? Because Planet Fitness has successfully marketed themselves. What is their whole thing? Their whole thing is we're a judgment-free zone. We're for people who don't go to the gym. In fact, those little stringy tank tops that they wear at Bulls and Bears, you're not allowed to wear those at Planet Fitness. They will kick you out if you wear the little, because they don't want your muscles bulging because it makes people feel bad about what they're not. So they've created this whole different thing. They're not trying to pick uh, the people in Raleigh or, or Fuquay or whatever, Wake County. They're not trying to get the people that go to a gym to transfer to Planet Fitness. They know they're never going to get the bulls and bear guy, and they don't care. They're trying to get all the people that have never joined a gym, and they're doing really well. Not in this room, but <laughs> out there they're doing really well. So what does that have to do with us? All right, we've done studies, not We Relentless, but there are studies that have been done, like deep studies of not asking people. You can't get the truth from asking people politically, religiously, don't believe anything they tell you because people don't tell the truth, right? All that we talked about pornography a few weeks ago. Who tells the truth when they do a random survey about pornography? So you just can't get the truth that way. So it is not them asking people who go to church. What they did is they went to the 100 biggest um, metropolitan areas, including this, and they would go to churches and they would do head counts and compare those in contrast with uh, the surveys to get a true idea of who's really in church. And the best guess, the most optimistic view and we have a county of a million people in Wake County. I know a few of you live outside of Wake County, and we love you too. Um, but in Wake County, over a million people, 250,000 at most are a part of a church, like on a weekly basis. It's probably closer to 150,000. So as a church planner, it's just logic. According to the Great Commission, if you want to go back to the Great Commission, we want to look at that more than Planet Fitness, right? Um, if we're supposed to go and make disciples as a new church, which we were nine years ago, we can either try to be better than other churches and get the bulls and bears guys to come over here because we got something going on and I don't dress up and, um, you know, we got great music and we can do, we can have that style and really, and we, we can grow a church and like, look what we're doing. We're growing a church. And from God's perspective, who doesn't, you know, pick favorites from God's perspectives, there's no growth. Those people left that church to come to this church. It's the same group of people. They're just going different places. We didn't do anything. So we're trying to be a little more like Planet Fitness. We're trying to be a church for people who are not sure about church for good reasons, right? Uh, I will never call you out because I see you in the room, so I won't look at you. But there's a, a, a young man I met two weeks ago, and he's back today. And uh, when I met him, he introduced himself, and he said, this is the first time I've been to church in six years. Right? And that was, that was like, that's, that's, that's our roots as a church. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the guy we're trying to reach as a church because we're trying to go and make disciples. And there's a couple ways to do that. Some churches say, we're just going to have the Christians here on Sunday morning. We're going we're gonna to teach you and make you so good with Jesus that you're going to go outside and tell everybody about Jesus. You're going to do all the work there, and then Sunday morning will just be us. 
And that's not us either, because we do want you to share your faith. And it's not just about getting them to a building. You're the best person to teach them about Jesus if you're following Jesus. But we do know statistically the number one way in America that people start a relationship with Jesus, go from I don't follow him to I do follow him, is through worship services. So we're going to leverage that because it's effective, and we want to make disciples. So we're not, uh, we're not in competition with other churches. Right? Uh, I, I was a pastor in Kentucky for many years, and it was so territorial. It was, it was so different than here. It was, it was competition because I need your help, pastor. How you all do with this? Well, I'm not going to help you because if I help you, it might help you steal my people. How messed up is that? So we're not going to help each other. You do your thing. We'll do our thing. We'll just stay and I came here, and I, I called a bunch of pastors. We were trying to discern the call of God of where to plant a church and how to plant a church. And I talked to a bunch of pastors here. I talked to 10 pastors, most of whom I'd never met. And 10 for 10 said, you got to come to Raleigh. There's more people moving here every year. We cannot keep up. There's not enough churches that are reaching new people, much less multi-ethnic churches. We need this. There's one pastor uh, who has since gone on to heaven, but I remember this conversation so clearly. Uh, he he was running or leading a big church in North Raleigh, and I was telling him, you know, kind of my heart and what we were thinking and our vision. And he said, brother, you can come to my church. You can come to our parking lot and plant a church in the parking lot, and we would support you because you're going to reach different people. There's so many people. You're going to reach different people than we are. There's room for There was no territory to it, which is how it should be because we're not competing to try to get the same 200,000 people that are already going to church. 800,000 people in this county that don't know Jesus and aren't connected to a church, I bet you know one of them. That's where our heart is. That's what we're about. That's what we're trying to build. And what I love about this church, a lot of you, um, you know, I made a joke about pews in first service. People are like, you know, some of you never, you never suffered through the pew era. Let's do the survey. Whoever sat in a pew growing up? Okay, most of you. So some of you, just thank God tonight that you don't know. Like these foam, like look how thick, you guys are so spoiled. Right? Pews were designed to make sure nobody could fall asleep in church. That was the function of a pew. So we've, we've got people, a lot of people in our church that they don't have anything to compare Relentless to. Like this is, this is church to them. They don't know any different. But a lot of you have come from other churches, and we're not trying to make anybody feel guilty about that. Right? As a pastor, there's a little bit of red flag when you talk to people and they're like, hey, we've, uh, yeah, we've been to 18 churches in the last eight years. So we just, you know. But a lot of our people that have come from other churches, their story is God called us here. And they were serving faithfully at another church a lot of time for years, not months. And God did some things, not because we're better than other churches. God's doing something here, and he knows who he needs in the body for us to be what he's called us to be. And he is so amazing at bringing the right people into that. And he's doing that, and I'm so encouraged by it. There's a woman came up to me after first service and said, um, I've been all in on Jesus a long time, been going to church my whole life. This is the first church I've ever felt comfortable being all in on. Instead of guilty, it's like it's a desire. It's a want to, not a have to. And I was like, oh, that helps me preach at 11 o'clock. I try to do pretty much the same message both services. But when, when God gives me stuff like that between services, like, you know, it's like it helps me with, with uh, the 11 o'clock crowd. Uh, we talk about relationship, not religion, all the time. Right? So if this is going to be the best year ever for us as a church, if we're the body of Christ, that means it's going to have something to do with individuals in this room having the best year ever, not with church attendance, but with Jesus, getting to know Jesus. And guess what? Jesus' heart is for his church. As you go closer to him, your heart will grow for the rest of the body. Right? So it's about a relationship. We say relationship. Maybe we should say relationships. 
because it's a vertical relationship about you and God, the God that knows you and loves you and created you. And as you get to know him and grow in that relationship, that relationship will affect this relationship. It affects how you see people, how you hear people, how you love people, how you insert yourself willingly in other people's lives. So they, they connect. Um, we're trying to build not a church, not a worship service, but a community of faith living on mission, right? We're not religious. We're against the institution. We don't have, what do you, we don't have a hierarchy. There's no, there's no pope. There's no denominational board. We're non-denominational. We're trying not to be institutionalized. I think, and I'm not sure, I think what happened in the pandemic wasn't all bad. I think a lot of people realized I'm part of a religion stuff, and we're not made for that. And they really, like, they, they, if you don't know anybody, you're not walking with anybody, and then church is taken away because of a virus, you didn't really lose anything. And people realized, I don't miss it. I'm out. I think that's a good thing because when they come back, if they come back, they can come back to a movement and being a part of something, not a routine, not a box check-in, not a you're a bad person if you miss church, none of that. We want relationship, not religion. Religion is packed with guilt and coercion. A lot of you have been in church. You think you know what's coming. This kind of message is, you know, all in for church. Here's what we need you to do. We need some volunteers in this room. That's not what this message. This is not. Um, ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. That's not in the Bible, all right? JFK said that. That's not what this is. Because it's okay to ask what your church can do for you. Because we're a body, right? I'm asking my leg to do its job. If it decides to take the day off, we're going to be falling down, right? So it's okay to ask the body. The head is not me. The head of the church is Jesus it's okay to be served. You give and you receive. It's a beautiful both ways. That's what we're about. We're about relationship, not religion. We're about transformation, not transaction. Um, we talk about that a lot. We just love the change that's happening. Let me, let me tell one of my favorite stories, and I will preface it by saying it's a made-up story. It's fictitious, understand? But I'm going to tell it like it's real because that's what I like to do. Um, it's about me and my brother. My brother, this part, it's the only part that's true. My brother turned 49 years old yesterday, my much, much older brother. Um, it's a story about us. Uh, he called me, and he said, hey, David, we gotta, we gotta, you got to come experience this. All right, we're going to an, this farm. You got to come. I was like, what are you talking about, a farm? Just, just come with me. All right, so I get in the car with him. We drive out. We grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We drive out to the middle of nowhere. We go to this farm. There's a big sign, Orange Farmers, all these people. I'm like, what in the world have you brought me to? He's like, just, just quit asking questions and come on. So we go in this tent. And there's these oranges. He's like, taste one. I'm like, is this a cult? All right, because little known fact, we don't advertise about us. Our dad's name was Jim Jones. So we're a little sensitive to the whole cult thing. Um, Google that. Um, some things should not be joked about. That's one of them. Um, so anyway, I bite this orange. Oh, my goodness. You've never, ever, anywhere, crumble cookies, no. Krispy Kreme, you've never had anything as perfect as this bite of orange. I look at my brother like, what? Like, you did, You just casually said, come, like, this is life-changing. I've never said that about food. This is the best thing ever. He's like, I know. He said, for 100 bucks, you get a bucket over there, you go out here, and you pile as many oranges as you can in the bucket for 100 bucks. And he grabs a bucket, and he's gone. And I'm like, I start asking around, who's the owner? I find the owner. I'm like, how in the world? This has got to be something illegal in here. There's no way fruit can taste like this. What did you do? He says, you want to know? I said, yeah, I want to know. He comes back, and he shows me his whole thing, and he says, listen, I'll sell you for 100 bucks. I'll give you seeds, and I'll give you the whole manual. I've been very detailed. You can grow these oranges yourself. I'm like, 100 bucks. 
So then I get in the car, and Chris is like, my brother Chris, he's like, Why, where's your oranges? I was like, I did something else. He's like, what do you mean you did something else? Aren't these the best oranges? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you'll share some with me. He's like, I just paid 100 bucks. Those are mine. So we go home eight, nine months later, um, maybe, I don't know how long it takes to grow. It's my story. I should know. Three years later, I invite him over. I invite my brother over. It's like, hey, come over. Why? Just because. I want to show you something. Uh, he comes over. I was like, how are those oranges? He's like, yeah, I ran out, and I'm bitter about it. Why are you bringing those up? So I want to show you something. What? Just come here. Show them in the backyard. I've grown these magnificent. He's like, those look like no way. And he goes, he grabs one off, and he tastes it, and he's like, what? How? It's like 100 bucks. The guy told me how to do everything. He's like, you're kidding me. He's like, yeah, now we got oranges. We don't have to, you know, squeeze, you know, as long as we can out of them. It's, what's, he did a transaction, and that's what some of us have been conditioned to do in church. If you come to church, God will love you and bless you, and it's transactional. If you say the prayer, it's a relationship. It's transformation. He wants to change us. He doesn't want you to have to come to a building. The church is not a building. You don't have to come here to be. Jesus goes with you. We'll talk about that later. So we're transforming by being connected to Jesus. And the good, the taste, it's so good, the goodness of Jesus. It's so good you can take him with you. He doesn't live here. He doesn't dwell here. This is a construction business. We're renters. You understand? He doesn't live in construction buildings. I promise. Right? He doesn't live in even church buildings that are legit church buildings. He doesn't live there either. Right? The whole point uh, of the gospel is the old covenant is gone. In the Old Testament, Jesus or God lived in the temple. That's where you had to go to be with God. And the new covenant that we're going to celebrate with communion here in a few minutes, the new covenant is now... God does not dwell in buildings built by human hands, the scripture says. Now he dwells, dwells in the hearts of men. Through his Holy Spirit, he dwells in us. So we don't have to go to a building to get to Jesus. We can grow a relationship with Jesus by a relationship with him, and the relationship's built on transformation. So as we're changing, so does that mean, I tell that story, does that mean we like quit coming to church? Please don't. Here's why. Because as he transforms you, he's always, there's no story in the history of the world where you inch closer to Jesus and further from his people. As you inch closer to Jesus, your heart is going to build for his people. How can I love? Somebody needs what I've got because we're a body. We're dependent on each other. Somebody needs the gifts I've been given. I've been given something that could bless somebody else in this body. So the closer you get to Jesus, the more in love you're going to be with what he chose. We'll talk about this more in detail next week because some of you want more. What he chose to change the world with. This, his church, not this church, his church, which is a lot more than relentless, is the way God is going to change the world. I believe that, and there's nothing better to be all in on than something that is building the church. And, and it's best done, transformation is best done in community. Real change, you need some help. I need some help. We need some help. We need each other. That's why the small groups that Raph was pumping earlier, that sign-ups uh, close down tomorrow, that's a big deal. Uh, February 12th, if you're a male, 16 or older, it's a big deal. We're going to do transformation in community. We're going to start meeting the second Monday night. This kind of came out of our men's retreat of guys saying, this is great, but this feels like going to the orange farm. We go once a year, and then it's over. Like We need, we need to have some of this stuff going on in regular life. So February 12th is a huge day because it's the launch of that. We want you to mark that on your calendar. Um, I left out a verse. I apologize, but I meant to. Um, I started the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. I've tried to teach some of you as far as Bible study. Anytime you see the word therefore, it's an old professor uh, when I went to Kentucky Christian University that taught me. Anytime you see therefore, you got to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? There's a reason. Therefore is always building off something. 
So we started with, therefore, go and make disciples. Well, what did he say right before that? That's the verse I left out. I want to give that to you. Verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I'm completely in control, and it doesn't feel like it sometimes, I'm completely in control. What do we do with that? A broken, messed up world. Watch the news for two minutes. You know, Jesus is in authority over everything that's happening in your lives and in the world. He is in complete sovereign control. He is, but the way he works that out is through his church. That's next week. you got to understand that. The world is going crazy, and it's going to go crazier. And the hope in the middle of the crazy is the church slash body of Jesus Christ. And the reason we can do an impossible mission to go all nations, multi-ethnic church, like how, like people that have never heard of Jesus come to put faith, he's in complete control. He said, I'm going to put my name on this thing called the church, and I'm going to make sure it lives and survives some really dark seasons, and it is going to be victorious. So you don't have to worry about going all in on something. I meant to say that earlier. Right? The worry for some of you about going all in on a church is you've been hurt by church, and that's fair because anybody can put the word church on a building and do things very counter to who Jesus is and still call themselves a church. So some of you need to have your, your hurt validated by God, but still at the end of the day when this is all over, you're going to want to be a part of what God's doing through his church, and transformation is a huge part of that. Um, Let's talk about Tide real quick. Not Roll Tide, but Tide the product. Anybody use that? Liars. More than that, because it is the number one selling laundry detergent for 50 years in a row. Who, how, do you, how do you stay number one? And it's more expensive. You know why it's more expensive? Because they spend hundreds of millions of dollars every year on research and development. Why? They're number one for 50 years. You think they could just chill. But their whole culture is we've got to improve, 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 improve. And they, advert, they spend millions of dollars in 2024 to advertise a product that you're already buying. We don't have a product. We're not pumping a product. We're pumping a person, and his name is Jesus. And he's been number one not for 2,000 years, but from day one of the beginning of creation, he's been Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He is the hero of our story. We're not trying to pump a pastor. Please don't. Right? We're not trying to pump the name Relentless. I love the name because God is relentless. He doesn't give up on anybody. But we're not trying to pump a brand. We're trying to center a church and a movement on Jesus. That is what we have. That's all we'll have. That's what we're centered on. That's who we're going to be. And that's how we're going to have the best year ever is a constant. Because God knew we would drift. It's natural to drift in your personal life and even in church life off of the center of Jesus. So we're going to do something that he called us to do, and we do it different ways at our church. You know, we're not an institution, but he did give us two sacraments. And it's crazy that they've lasted. We talk about baptism. We're still baptizing people. He said that on a mountain to a few people. Here's what I want you to do. Go make disciples of all nations and baptize them. We're still baptizing. We love it. The other thing he gave us is communion. We're still doing communion. It's always on the tables back here on the sides. Some of our people take it before. Some take it after. Some take it during worship. We leave that up to you. A lot of times we'll do that in homes when we're tabling. If you have a couple from Relentless over to eat sometimes, you guys should do communion together. That would be beautiful. All right? But it's just a way for us to center ourselves on Jesus. It's a way. It's visual. It's all the taste buds. It's all the different senses and Jesus' brilliance of a way for us to physically remember what we're about what we're centered on. So under your seat is one of these things, and they can be frustrating. We went to these in the pandemic because nobody touched it but you, so you can open those up, and you'll find uh, something that represents bread, 
It's not bread. I don't know what we would call this, but it symbolizes bread. Um, and that's all that matters. And we use juice instead of wine for some obvious reasons. Um, and we're going to take this together as a church. I just think this is crazy that this man who claimed to be the son of God was in this place, what we refer to as the Last Supper, and he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. That's what the verse says on the screen. You're going to do this as a way to remember me. And we're still doing it. We're still remembering him. That What are the vaguest odds on him saying something like this and we'd still be doing it across the ocean? He didn't say that verse in English. Some of us get confused sometimes. Well, it's in English right there. It's because we translated it. How do you know, Pastor, he didn't say it in English? Because English wasn't invented in the first century. It did not exist. Right? So it has transcended all these cultures and centuries. And there's something that I can't explain about this. There's something unifying, and if you're not comfortable taking this, please don't. We're not trying to guilt anybody into taking this, but if, um, if you can't get it out, I know. I, I couldn't get mine out first service, so I cheated this time, did it ahead of time. Um, but there's something unifying about us remembering Jesus together in this way that he called us to, to do it. So if you're a follower of him and you're comfortable doing so, we're going to remember this that represents his body. He had a human body that was beat, and crucified brutally on a cross, he could have stopped it at any second, and he chose to let it happen so we would have hope, so that we would have freedom, so we'd be rescued and adopted. So let's remember the sacrifice of Jesus' body together. And this, this says it. It's the juice. This, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. We'll talk about that covenant in a second. We, we, we recognize what he did, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Um, there was such a long shot that what he was saying that day would ever last. He's building his church. You can be a part of that. It's really exciting. And his blood was poured out so that my debt would be paid. He saved me through his blood. So let's remember the sacrifice on the cross. Together. You know, we like to say, don't say I go to Relentless Church. Somebody asks you, do you go to church? Say, no, I don't. I, I'm a part of Relentless Church. The difference between going to and being a part. The new covenant, remember, when he said that, the, the temple was where they thought God lived. And the covenant changed all that. Now God lives in us. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. right? And he is interactive. Come on up here, Joe. Stand with me. I feel Joe stood with me first service. I just think I preach better when Joe's beside me. I think we're going to just do this as a, as a routine now. Just, you know, just anytime, just come up here and stand and look cool. But uh, here's exactly what happened. And Joe, jump in and correct me if I'm like preachifying this at all. This is exactly what happened. This week, I felt like after communion, I just this song kept coming to my mind. It's a song I sang when I was a kid at camp. It's an old. It's a song older than Joe, um, and it kind of teaches what we're trying to be as a church. And it's called Sanctuary. And we were in here probably nine minutes before first service in our in the room back here. And I said, Joe, you ever heard that song? Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. And he said, and he smiled and he said, Yeah. It's funny that you ask that. Now it sounds like there's a story. And Joe said, I'm saying Joe like he's not right here. This man said, that song was on my heart this morning. Is, am I telling the truth? All right. And that was the confirmation that I needed in my spirit. Should we, should we end the service this way or not? 
And and that's the God of the universe that has a plan that maybe brought you here specifically months ago or maybe today. He's so interactive that he put a song on this man's heart knowing that I would ask him that at 8.52, that this would be the way that he wanted you to be launched into your week. So this isn't something we came up with. God is personal. He wants to give you something every Sunday, not for Sunday, but for Monday and Tuesday and Friday and all the things. So this is a song that's perfect of the new covenant. The words are simple. I don't know if you know it, you're gonna learn it. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. This isn't a sanctuary. I never call it that. This is an auditorium. Because sanctuary is the old word where God lived. God doesn't live here. Don't, you know, I know you guys are just joking when you say, hey, don't lie in church. There's no difference between a lie in a church and a lie at your house. It's still a lie. There's nothing, there's nothing. It's, it's holy ground because holy people are here. Holy because we're good. No, holy because the spirit of Jesus lives in us. Lord, prepare me to go this week. Whatever you got coming, I don't know, but God does. You're gonna be interacting with people this week and family and who knows what challenges and beauties are coming. Prepare me right now for what you know is coming and I don't, to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'm gonna be a living sacrifice for you. Joe, would you lead? Joe's in charge. So when he says we're done and dismissed, we are. Lead us in that, please. You guys stand up. Amen. Join join me as I sing this song. So Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true and with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary Lord for you. Sing that one more time. So Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true and with thanksgiving Thank you, Lord. I'll be a living sanctuary, Lord, for you. Can we just all sing that, all the voices? And Lord, as we leave this place, but never your presence, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise that you are so due. Help us to keep you in the center. Thank you, Lord. And we all said, Amen.